0: So the questions are these, how can we really activate the best of the private sector to meet the challenges of the real world? Is there a way to accelerate my career that doesn't involve boring online or classroom courses? And can I really impact people in the developing world with the skills that I have? Can I finally feel proud of what I know? Those are the questions and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Philippa White and this is Ty Unearthed. Keep listening and you can follow us on our journey as we show you how we're connecting the private sector with the social sector to make change. Hello everyone, Philip White here, and welcome to episode six of TIE's Podcast. Today I'm thrilled to be speaking with Binka Le Breton, who's the co-founder and director of the Aircambi Research Center in Brazil's Atlantic Forest, where she and her colleagues work to find solutions to the challenges of biodiversity, conservation, and sustainability. She's also a writer and educator who specializes in the environment and human rights. And she spends several months a year on the international lecture circuit, where she is an experienced speaker and broadcaster. But I'm guessing that hasn't happened during COVID, <laughs> unfortunately. Yes. So now um, we have worked with Airbnb since 2009 and have had a number of projects with them since then, supporting their really important work of making the conservation of the Atlantic rainforest more attractive than it's destruction. So, hello, Binka. I'm so excited to have you with us today.
1: Hey, Philippa. Isn't isn't uh, the internet wonderful? Aren't we lucky to be able to connect? Hi, everybody. Absolutely.
0: Yes, with you in the middle of the Atlantic forest in Minas yes. um, Yeah, yes. quite extraordinary. And here, me in Olinda, <laughs> Brazil. So, Vinka, I'm, you know, I'm fascinated by Irakembi. I'm, I'm thrilled to say I'm one of the lucky ones who've been to Air Can Be, um, spent time in your house, uh, and and at the research center, understanding about the absolutely incredible work that you and Robin and the team do. And I just, I would love you to bring you and Robin and Irakembi to life and just tell us just how it all came about because I really do find the story fascinating.
1: You are too kind, Philippa. Okay. (coughs) Well, I do. Long story short, um, uh, it started with a midlife crisis. Now, my husband, Robin, is actually not listening, so I can safely put all the blame on him. Uh, We were living, we were based in Washington, D.C. Uh, He is from Kenya and I'm uh, British. And we had lived um, around the world, actually, on all the continents except Australia. Still, That's still on my bucket list. And raised our kids on the international circuit. He was working with the World Bank as an economist, environmental economist, and I was a concert pianist. Um, so the fact that we are now running a, uh, a biological research center in the middle of the back of beyond in the Atlantic Forest in Brazil shows that you can do anything, anything <laughs> in your life, Right.
0: Extraordinary.
1: Um, now become a biologist by osmosis and uh, and experience <laughs> and love to. Yeah. So uh, the idea was, you know, let's uh, let's get off the kind of you know the World Bank bandwagon and go down and see if we can make see if this sustainability stuff is real. If we can really do it. And I think I thought because we had lived, you know, five years in India and we lived in Nairobi and we lived in Indonesia and all over the place. I think I thought of it as another three year or four year uh, (laughs) project. Had I known, (laughs) probably would never have done it. But anyway, we did a very smart thing before we jumped off uh, life in, in Washington. Our kids were just at college. So we didn't have any mortgage bills and we didn't have any college bills because the World Bank took care of that very kindly. So in our 40s, we were able to think about doing something completely crazy. And the sensible thing we did was we took a six-month kind of gap year and got in a car in Washington, DC, and drove down to Brazil, uh, which was a country we lived in. Yeah, we had already lived here, we spoke the language. Um, we'd chosen Brazil as a place to try the sustainability thing. And um, we got in the car and, and drove off. And many of our friends said, um, you're crazy. Many of them said, gosh, I wish I could. Some of them said, I wish I had. But most of them said, you're crazy. But they were kind to us, you know. Uh <laughs> So they gave us um a, a fabulous slap-up uh, American breakfast with pancakes and coffee and the whole nine yards, and then waved us off to Brazil. And six months later, we arrived. We had actually driven down, and if you think about driving to Brazil, you actually cannot do that because yeah. there is a road uh, in between uh, North uh, Central America and South America. So we had to actually ship the car. And eventually we arrived at a piece of land that we had previously bought. It was uh, on the edge of the rainforest in the mountains of Minas Gerais. Uh, We wanted um, uh, Terra Mata and Genshi Boa. So land, forest and nice people. And that's what we found in Minas. And we started off as, as a sustainable farm. And one thing led to another. You know how it is. If you knew where you were going, you'd probably never take the first step, right? Yeah. Uh, I couldn't play the piano. Uh, I couldn't be a pianist because there was no audience. And I had a beautiful poem <laughs> here. And Robin said, you know, why don't you play to the trees and things? But, you know, somehow I didn't, I didn't get the feedback. So, <laughs> so I had my own uh, midlife crisis. And what the hell am I going to do the rest of my life? And some kind of friend said to me, well, why don't you write books? Because any fool can write. Yeah. Uh, so thank you very much. Love you too. Anyway, I started writing books and then eventually that I started getting published and I started traveling and talking. I was writing about the rainforest particularly. And one day somebody said to me, I was in England, said, do you have a piece of rainforest? And I said, uh, well, yeah. Well, they said, well, so what are you doing about it? So I came back and I said, Robin, hey, what are we doing to save the rainforest? Because we're in an area of small family farmers and the, this beautiful, extraordinary rainforest here was getting nibbled away at the edges by farmers who were just, you know, desperately poor and needed to raise a few more bucks to buy flip-flops so their kids could go to school.
0: Yeah, so Bingo, was like, when was this? Just to put this into perspective for everyone, what it year were we uh,
1: 1990, 1990, so most of you yeah. weren't even alive, right? Yeah, yeah. And It was like moving back a uh, hundred years in time. It was very remote, um, no communications. Um, short no light? To- I
0: mean, I remember you, you literally,
1: what? you had to put in the electricity. We put in the electricity. We, telephone was, you know, huge drama. Uh, still is, actually. Telephone service in Brazil is quite tricky still. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we sort of got involved with the local community. And uh, so 10 years later, um, after working, after being smart enough to not to come and tell people what to do, but just listening and looking and seeing what they were doing, and then see, thinking if we could try and figure out better ways of doing it, we founded the NGO. So that was 21 years ago. And, and congratulations,
0: because we you just had your birthday.
1: <laughs> we just had our birthday, yes. and you know most organisations don't last that long. So it's been a miracle, and here we are. And Philippa and Ty are part of our history. So thank you, Philippa.
0: Well, thank you. And I mean that. That I mean yes, as. As I say, I I really, really love your work. What you do is so important. Um, We've worked with you four times since 2009. uh, And actually right after COVID, or right before COVID, sorry, right before, right Mm -hmm. after COVID. Wouldn't that be a great thing to say? Right after COVID. Yes. Anyway, right before COVID, we had our last project with you guys, which was such a success. Um, But perhaps you can tell our listeners just about the experience that you've had to date with Ty. Because there's um, so many stories that i can think about but you know maybe there's a few that sort of stand out in your mind and just sort of bring to life the impact of working with thai what's kind of happened
1: um from your i, I, I think maybe one of the things that springs to mind immediately is our very first uh, thai person who came from england um to tiffany help us, tiffany to help us with branding yeah. and um and now at that time and and until relatively recently, we didn't have a paid staff or only one or two paid staff members and the rest of us sort of cycled in and out and, and were largely volunteers. Today, we have um, seven paid staff members and two volunteers. That's Robin and me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apart from other other volunteers, short, shorter-term volunteers, but two full-time volunteers. Um, And Tiffany came and she introduced us to the whole idea of branding and marketing. and, And we, believe it or not, our original logo, we had set up our own website. I mean, you have to try and imagine that we are in the back of nowhere with very sketchy uh electricity and, and you know not the kind of stuff that you usually expect and this was before cell phones and internet and so on were really very widespread we had to get our internet through satellite extremely oh internet. well,
0: i remember i think i was at air Canby when you still had it via satellite I think. yes yeah,
1: and, yeah. And, and was you know in, incredibly complicated anyway uh, we had set up our own our own website with some help from some volunteers from the states and um, we had, amazingly enough, chosen as our logo, uh, a sloth. Um, <laughs> a sloth, right? Yes. A sloth. Because we are a, an official center of release for captive species, which means that the forest police, if somebody, you know, picks up a, a, a jaguar or a sloth or a hundred parrots, they bring them to release because we are a, um, a private reserve here. Yeah. And so our very first animal that was um, released was a sloth. And that was uh, our logo because we thought it was cute. And then Tiffany came and she said, you know what, guys, Um, it's not really very dynamic. (laughs) 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 So let's think. And then we (laughs) came up with the idea which is really our strongest asset, um, and that is the hummingbird. And there is a story, really quickly, the story of the hummingbird. It's an indigenous story throughout the Americas, and the story goes like this, that the forest is on fire, and all the animals are fleeing except for the hummingbird. And the hummingbird is flying towards the fire with a little drop of water in her beak. And the eagle looks down at her from on high, and he shouts, you silly little bird, you think you're going to be able to put out the water all by yourself? And the hummingbird drops a drop of water and she says to the eagle, I won't do it by myself, but I'm doing my part. And it was Tiffany who helped us select that image and we were lucky enough to have a graphic person with us at the time. And the hummingbird has been, I say, one of our strongest suits and one of the things that makes us best known and that was entirely due to Tiffany uh, explaining to us that sloths were not
0: very <laughs> <good>. dynamic. <laughs> oh, great! Yeah, gosh, how funny! You know, because actually thinking about it, I do remember the sloth, and I—I I don't even think I. Yeah, God, how amazing! So that was in 2009 that you you created the the yes, yes. logo. How amazing! Yes. Yeah, gosh, time is is passing very quickly. Yeah. So as you as you know, we are launching our Thai Accelerator Program, which uh, we are super excited about, and uh, I imagine our listeners now uh, know what it's all about, uh, which obviously is is around getting. Um, Groups of people to support uh, organizations like Airbnb, and you are going to be one of the organizations that we're wanting to work with. And um, just wanted to know if you know if you could talk to us about what you're hoping to get from this Thigh Accelerated experience, um, how you hope we can help.
1: Yes, um, we're actually super excited about this. Uh, we, uh, like all of us, we have been. Uh, in a compulsory period of, of self reinventing um, how are we going to adapt our programs uh, to yeah. you know to the shutdown and, and the reality of that and um, one of the things that has affected us a lot is normally we have up to a hundred students and volunteers and researchers uh, who spend uh, from one to three to sometimes six months with us over the course of the year And this has the effect for us of providing, you know, uh, uh, helping us with our mission of understanding how to protect the rainforest, providing us with a bunch of ideas. We've had students from 71 different countries. Gosh, wow. (laughs) And we have their flags painted on the wall, which is very exciting. Okay, so this is all dried up, you know, overnight when the sky fell in uh, at the end of March. And so not only do we not have all these all these students and researchers and volunteers, but they were um, providing income to fund our projects as well as ideas and manpower. So that was a huge difference. We had already been thinking and beginning to make um, corporate partnerships and sort of reevaluating our model most of much of our income stream comes from crowdfunding. Yeah. Um, about one third of it came from uh, the volunteers and students who, who were living and working with us. And so we lost that overnight. And we had been thinking for the last year and a half about changing our model and not being on the sort of traditional NGO, you know, hands out, looking for donations all the time. So what kind of a social enterprise could we set up and mm-hmm. how could we make partnerships and so on so what we really would love to get from um the Thai program is the opportunity to work with a group of you know highly skilled professionals from, yeah. from different backgrounds yeah. right yeah. so it wouldn't be just the one person it would be you know different yeah. people with different skills yeah um and you know in an ideal world philippa we would like to be like some very famous um large international NGOs who manage to <laughs> cover their core costs yeah. uh, through working with corporations and, and non-corporations, you know, uh, just partners of one kind or another, um, either through helping, you know, with sponsorship or in-kind donations or volunteering. So if we could reach that yeah. level, then all our, fund, our crowdfunding could be directly applied to our projects which are basically reforestation, education, we're working with medicinal plants. Um, And we do a lot of environmental policy work, which is super important. We at first thought it was totally boring to do that. But then we realized that, you know, one little person planting one little tree is great a one little person voting for, you know, the right person who will help to make the policy changes has much more impact. Totally. So that's what we'd love to, you know, to be able to contribute towards, um, the accelerator program. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I, uh, I also, we just need to get the word out because, uh, the faster we can get to, um, get, this group of people together to support air can with the accelerator. Obviously the, the quicker we can start to make a difference like that. So good. Yeah. I will, uh, yeah, I will keep you posted as, as, as things come together in our world. But as you talked about policy, it, uh, Brings me to my next question, actually, just because um, it's something that really weighs on my mind. Um, mm-hmm. As we all know, Brazil, the rainforest, and the environment has hit the headlines quite a bit over the past couple of years, uh, even now, um, with a lot of the burning that's happening in mm-hmm. um, in the Amazon and the north of Brazil. Um, but particularly since Bolsonaro's come into power, it's also really um, hit the headlines even more just because of what's happening. And it's something that really just it's something that really affects um, people all over the world. People are obviously really concerned about it. Something that I'm really concerned about. And I just wonder a few things that I want to know from you. One, what can you tell the listeners today that um, they might not know? And what keeps you up at night and what also gives you hope? And I just wonder if you could talk to us about Mm -hmm. that um, because you're so directly affected by much of um, what's going on in the government now, what has been going on in the government mm-hmm. policy, etc.
1: Well, we are. Well, I'm sure people know uh, the situation in the Amazon. The Amazon is rapidly reaching uh, the tipping point, uh, at which point it will start to uh, release carbon instead of storing carbon, and uh, there is a really serious danger that much of the Amazon area can turn into savanna. Um, we have we had take a particular interest in the climate crisis, or all our programs are directed towards the uh trying to help mitigate that in some form or another, which is one of the reasons that we do large scale defor- uh, reforestation and um, uh, also a lot of community education. But the policy, uh, that's a very interesting thing, and I think the Brazilian government is kind of taking a leaf out of the book of our big neighbors in the north by dismantling uh, environmental protection laws in the name of economic progress, um, which is just ever more uh, apparent that's happening. In in our state, Minas Gerais, which is a state with a lot of mineral resources, this was already happening under the previous administration. Um, The state government and and now the federal government is, is... doing its level best to remove uh, citizen participation in policy decisions yeah. for example uh, the one that the federal um, organization that gets together all the environmental uh, both state and um, third sector uh, actors has removed all uh, NGOs from the konama which is the national environmental council mm-hmm. NGOs will Of that, yeah. Uh, In Gerais, our state, we've been on the State Environmental Policy Council, uh, which is something that looks at, for example, licensing um, projects like big dams for mining or, you know, anything that affects the environment. Mm -hmm. Uh, There has been a a determined effort to make it more difficult for civil society to participate in this. So... uh, at one level, the state is really going all out for "quote" economic development without yeah. any idea that they're ruining, you know, the, the enormous resources that Brazil has. Yeah. Um. And you know, on the other hand, this is this is uh, what gives me hope, Philippa, is that this whole COVID uh, culture where we are meeting and coming together ever more and ever more mm-hmm. successfully thanks to the internet thank god for having an internet connection otherwise we would be sunk yeah so that for example there are many organizations and networks and things that we belong to um, that uh, are basically they're based on the cities in the southeast so Rio de Janeiro and Sao Paulo and we haven't previously been able to easily take ourselves down Sao Paulo it's like a 10-hour rather yeah. hard journey from here. But now we are coming together much more. We are um, able to communicate much better with each other yeah. and and make some really sensible decisions. So I think that as the state is failing us, um, we are coming together as a civil society. Yeah, yeah. And you know, that that does give me hope.
0: Yeah, and me too. Me too. And I think everyone can <laughs> feel the the tide is moving where more people are awake, um, they feel empowered, hopefully. And I think we just need more opportunities like Thai, but there, there there, are so many other opportunities out there in, you know, different ways that people can feel empowered, can actually do something. And I think I feel, I agree, I feel as a result of all of this, people want to take action. And I think um, if you're wanting to, if you're listening, and this is something that you're interested to do, do get in touch because this is a way that you can actually be a part of the solution and be the change that you want to see in the world. And I think that's what more and more people are wanting to do. So I agree with you. And I also feel hopeful because of that. As we wrap things up, Binka, I just wonder, can you tell us about what you're working on at the moment um, that you think our listeners will find interesting? I find what you do fascinating. Literally, every time I listen to you talk, I feel so inspired. So I just wonder, you know, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with as far as, you know, what what you're thinking about at the moment, what you're working on at the moment?
1: Yeah, we've got a, cu- a couple of projects, uh, Philippa. One is directly kind of uh, arisen out of the COVID situation. We had a rather successful um, environmental education course where we were trying to train young leaders um, in this remote rural area of Brazil. The schooling is somewhat precarious. And many of the students in school are first-generation students. So, for example, the question of you know homeschooling is is virtually out of the question at the moment, and our schools are still closed. So we have uh, uh, set up and are just about to launch um, an environmental leadership um, online program. Now, this involves uh, most people don't in this area don't have access to internet. Many people don't, Uh, but most people have a cell phone. So if we can provide cell phone credit. Um, we can, you know, we can involve some of the local students. And research reveals that the longer kids are out of school, particularly when they're 14, 15, uh, the less likely they are to go back. Yeah. And at the moment, this is, uh, you oh know, other God, people. Right. Either the boys will get a job, the girls, you know, may get pregnant, who knows. But there is, there's a, just a multiplicity of factors that makes it more difficult for every month that they're out. More difficult yeah. for them to get back. And we um, were discussing this yesterday. What we would like to do is, you know, there is a whole wealth of potential amongst young people in Brazil, as everywhere else. We want to find the next Greta Thunberg. We want to find the next Malala Yousafzai. You know, yeah. she is out there somewhere. Yeah. And we want to be able to give people, uh, and many young people are bored and frustrated. Uh, we want to be able to give them the the notion that, as you say, Phil, they can be the change. And so it's very challenging and very exciting. And if anybody has any wonderful ideas on how to, you know, awaken that leadership potential that is there, we know it's Amazing. there. That's one of the things we're doing. Can I quickly tell you about the other one? Please. We're very oh,
0: my gosh. About. Of course. Yes, 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 yes.
1: <laughs> the other one we're very excited about, we actually have been working on uh, since before covid um, we have done a lot of forest restoration. And the good news is around here, um, it was uh, quite, the forest was quite badly impacted. And we have uh, been running for the last three or four years a program of reforestation on local farms. Uh, small farmers, maybe, you know, 16 to 25 hectares, something like that. And we've been working with them to reforest um. Partly because they are, by law, they are supposed to have areas in forests and partly because their land has been quite severely impacted by climate change and there's been um, stress on water resources. Brazil is a very rich water, uh, water resource country and people are not accustomed to suddenly having things happen like their springs dry up, which is, of course, disastrous for them. So we've been looking at different ways of Creating a, a really solid model of forest restoration that would be replicable um, in other areas of, of uh, and, and even in other biomes. So it's, um, our program is called Can Be Smart Forest. And um, we're looking at uh, taking, an, uh, taking areas of reforestation, monitoring them very closely, both uh, by uh, drones taking photographs. We yeah. want to work with LIDAR, which is a kind of a radar which is drone mounted and which essentially kind of bounces down a laser beam, which will tell you give you a lot of information about the regrowth of the forest. We use, can use uh, soundscapes you know, to, to hear the, the noises of the forest and all this put together can oh, really create a, a very exciting picture of how how the forest in our case or whatever biome you're working in is regenerating. And if we can really get that going and it's a, it's a program that's at, in its complete infancy, we've done the research wow. found partners in different countries who are working on this to be able to produce a cast iron model that will say, this is, you know, one way that you can successfully restore a forest. And this is how you can show that you've restored the forest. And this oh is how you can measure the biomass and you know the amount of carbon that is being captured and so on. So that's our that's our kind of big hairy dream, Iraqambi smart forest.
0: That's extraordinary. And just so I understand,
1: what's the next step with that? Where where are you at with that? Um, the well, the next step of that is to find some funding.
0: Oh, I see. Okay, so okay, so yeah, fine. Okay, so I mean, for our listeners, actually, just as far as please get in touch with me um, in the in the um, in the bio when I post this on the on the uh, podcast um, in the in the info area. I will put the uh, contact details of Ericambi as well. So please, um, if you know people or you can help in any way. Uh, please get in touch with Eric because their work is phenomenal and it's very, very important. So, um, Binka, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for everything that you do. It is so important. Um, I, uh, I feel so honored that we've been able to help in a small way with the work that you do. And I look forward to doing that again with Thai Accelerator, hopefully soon. We just need to get the word out so that we can fill this project. So,
1: Let's do it, Philippa. And thank you so much for what you do and um, I just want to congratulate all of us for the ways in which we are reinventing and adapting. And it, it's not always easy. It's painful. But, you know, we are all moving towards the new uh, paradigm, whatever that may be. So that's something that gives me hope as well. That after yeah. this, thing will be uh, will be better. Yeah,
0: agreed. Binka. you're amazing. <laughs> thank you so, so much. Until, well, until soon. Speak soon. soon Até logo. Até logo. Ate logo. <laughs> Ciao, ciao. <laughs> ciao. Hey everyone, this is Philippa again. So, this is your chance to get involved with Thai. We have three absolutely amazing virtual opportunities available, all rooted in connecting the private sector with the social sector to make change. Thai has never been more necessary than right now. So if you're looking for life-changing leadership development opportunities for your employees and you want your company to impact the world, we've got you covered. If you're looking to step out of your comfort zone and use your skills to make a difference and keen to meet other like-minded professionals with similar values, then our Thai Accelerator Program is for you. There are so many options, so I urge you to get in touch. Go to theinternationalexchange.co.uk for more information or just shoot us an email. Better companies, better leaders, better world.